Welcome back, everyone, to another Slab Stocks YouTube live show. My name is Aaron, your host, joined here by Nate today. Of course, we've got a big show today because this morning some huge news released on PSA's price increase, doubling for most of them, the more expensive ones, not doubling, but going up a substantial amount too. So we're here to break that down for you, talk about, give our thoughts on what it means for the industry, what it means for grading, and what it means for the cards in the industry too, because a lot of stuff is going to change, I think, because of it. Um, this has got to be, other than like a major acquisition, we saw PSA and Collector's Universe get bought. We saw Ken Golden's company get invested in. Other than major acquisitions, this has got to be one of the biggest newsworthy things in the industry that can change what's going on of the entire last year and some change now because this is the biggest price increase we've seen uh doubling across the board is huge so let's just jump right into the show nate thanks for being here uh you're obligated to so that's true why am i thanking you but (laughs) i don't know all right you guys see it and we're also going to talk about luca in a little bit but to start here are some major changes that were announced this morning so psa increased regular grading to 100 dollars, which previously was known as, I believe, 25-day. I'm. That's very hard to say because they don't actually strap times on these, so it's hard to actually – because they don't want to. But regular is $100 now. Express is $150 now, and Super Express is $300. Economy, it says $50, but it's also not available. Um, You can't send via economy. They're not taking submissions via that. So if you were to go on the PSA's website and start a submission, the cheapest price you'd have to pay is $100. Now, we all know about group submitters, and that's going to be a big topic to talk about later. So technically, you can get cards there for less than $100. That's not to say that you. the only way you can send a card in from here on out is if you send in and paying $100. But through their website, that's the only way unless you're a member that can send in on the value submission, which is now like $25 a card. But you had to be previously a member. I don't think they're taking new members for that. I don't believe so, at least. And then the other big slice of news, which we're not going to talk about that much, is eBay cancels 1% eBay bucks. And I don't want to skip over that meaning. We're not going to talk about it a lot because it's not important. It's just that I don't think much discussion can come out of it. But this has been a program of theirs for a long time. Every purchase that you make on eBay, you used to earn 2% eBay bucks if you were enrolled in eBay bucks. Don't ask me why eBay doesn't automatically enroll people because they make you go and click enroll to earn money on your purchases. Like who wouldn't enroll in that? Um, but basically, if you were enrolled in eBay Bucks, you used to get 2%, it dropped it to 1%, and now it's gone starting April 1st, except for bonus Bucks offers, which in the past, not everyone got those offers. Only limited amount of people actually got those offers. And also, they aren't that frequent anymore. When COVID hit, they were sending out 5 10%, 15% eBay Bucks like every other week because they weren't sure if they're going to be able to sell cards on their platform. And now I feel like that this is driven so much by the sports car industry. And that they now drop this buck stuff, which I think is insane. I think that's just another slap in the face to someone who's been using their website for a long time. And uh, I'm not a fan of that. Of course, many buyers aren't a fan of that, obviously. But now let's get on to more PSA. So here, this is Card Hours post from Instagram. Uh, he does show really like the, the values and how they change. So regular went from 50 to 100. Express 75 to 150. Super Express 200 to 300. And walk through 500 to 600, which is, I think, a one-day uh, grade on-site or two-day, whatever it is. Um, just want to show that to see the the how they changed overnight, really. And this has been rumored for about a week now. No one knew how much necessarily, but that it was coming. It's been rumored. Uh, who actually knew how much was going to go up or what was going to change? So it was hard to actually say for sure, but now we know for sure as of this morning. And uh, Limestone Cards, I saw Kevin was in the chat here. He posted this as well. So here's just another look into grading and how much their backlog has uh, increased or how much modern cards accounts for all the grading. So if you're looking at basketball, there's 4 million plus cards graded by PSA. But from 2018 to 2020, it makes up almost 30% of the total cards graded for basketball. And think about how many are sitting in the backlog right now. Tons, 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 tons. And then... In 2019 or 2019 produced cards make up 18% of that total graded population. And those, there's even more cards sitting in the backlog for 2019 than 2018. So that's going to be an insane uh, number to look at in a year once all this backlog gets cleared, assuming that not everyone's going to be sending their cards to PSA. If if it gets cleared in a year. 
if it gets cleared in a year, who even knows how long it's going to take. So that just brings me back to this post. And this is where Nate and I are just going to discuss. Instead of me putting up some points here, I'm going to let you all put in the comments, what are your thoughts on the grading increases? And then Nate and I can go back and forth talking about what we think uh, this means for the industry. So first off, my thoughts on this is that people obviously are going to be submitting to PSA way less than they were in the past, meaning less cards going to PSA, meaning those cards that you once won a grade that were worth 5 to $10 to grade and sell for like 100 you're not going to be able to do that most likely anymore. Check this out, Aaron. What do you got? That was my stack of cards I was going to send to PSA. There's about 40 cards there. I have Are another one. I have another like five cards in my in my car that I was going to put in this pile. Would you like to take a guess at how many cards out of this stack I'm still planning on sending into PSA? One most if it's rare, but probably zero. Zero. Look at zero. that. So, so it worked. They lot they got 40 cards at least not sent in now. That's crazy. And Terry says that uh, Nat Turner stayed today that there's a 10 million card backlog. And you know there are tons in route right now trying to beat the new prices. That is insane. I wouldn't be surprised if they received another 500,000 cards because of the last week, people rushing to beat the new prices. Because once you started an order, it got lo uh, locked in at those prices on through PSA. If you start and completed the order, not just start the order, but complete the order submission through their website, um, which is crazy. And Zach says that this was expected. And uh, I do agree that this was expected. New private owner coming in. They have to figure out a way to decrease that backlog because if you never start to decrease that backlog and the cards coming in always paces, outpaces the output going out, you're going to end up with like 100 million cards someday. I mean, if you never do anything different to switch it, you literally have 100 million cards. And then people are waiting, what, th four years to get their cards back? It, it just seems like that would be impossible to get through without doing something different. And I think that this was like the shortest term fix to do so. I personally think that it is needed in some sense because I do think that there's some things to be said that like, oh, sending in that $2, $5 basketball rookie of some guy who's not even going to be in the league in four years, but you just want to grade him because he can flip it. Like, okay, makes sense to not to discourage people from sending those. The problem I have with this is that so many people out there are in the hobby, are trying to make some money, are trying to keep their collection alive, are trying to further their own personal business. For whatever reason, they're submitting to PSA. They're doing it. And they're doing well on it. And it gives people an outlet to really get in, immersed in the hobby. And like I said, to build further in the hobby. And to take that away from so many people that don't have the opportunity of sending cards for $100, like that stinks. Like it stinks seeing people like Nate who go to their target and open packs and get some Joey Bart rookies or a Joe Adele rookie. And they really want to try to get a PSA 10 of that card. And the opportunity is gone for the foreseeable future until most likely AI grading comes about because that's what's really going to be able to speed up the process, lower costs, and let people actually get their cards back. And I want to bring up the whole group submitter thing because group submitters really haven't released their pricing yet. They will be able to get some of those longer service submissions out there, those 45-day submissions that you aren't able to go on a PSA's website and submit if you're just a random person logging on someday to send a card. And those are going to be probably between like $25 and $30 for a submission. So there is a cheaper alternative than $100. I don't want to say that that's the only thing that you can submit through. But it still discourages so many people out there from doing something to try to just make it work. And it hurts. I uh, just want to bring this up because if a restaurant had to line up the next, the next night, Jack, price is 33%, you think they'd be open you can go to a bajillion different restaurants. You can only go to like four different grading companies and most of them aren't worthwhile. So yeah. this, uh, this is one of those situations where this is, I understand the argument, but it's a valid, it's an invalid so, argument. So this is the problem with me and all of this is that PSA is now taking everyone out of the market who's trying to make some money on the lower end side of the business. Because we always talk about, you know, like, oh, the big sale, which is awesome. Like being, being able to report that Lucas sale last night was amazing. Um, I, we were one of the very first, we were probably, we were the very first place to put it out there aside from Shane himself. And that was awesome to see. Like, that was really 
awesome for myself to be able to report that just as slab stocks pointing out there like it's so cool but we all know what the majority of the collecting group the investing group is and just like joe mama there says he's 15 and can't do the 100 like even if you're 25 you probably can't do the 100 if you're trying to grade a card that isn't worth 300 it just removes so many people out of that potential market well um, especially especially like look dylan carlson right we don't know the price of a Dylan Carlson PSA 10 currently. No. It's a card I would have liked to have gotten graded, but what are the odds it's a $60, $70 PSA 10, $50 PSA 10? Now you can't just be like, hey, I'm going to spend. And even if the group submissions are 25 bucks, can you purposely spend $25 thinking that you might get an extra $25? Well, here's here's the other thing. Not only that, but if you get a PSA 9, you're like, so negative and if you get that four of the seven times you're definitely negative you know but there yep. is a flip side to it so let's say that there are some people that have the ability to send in Dil dylan carlson rookies or players like him basketball football wherever you send them in and you get tens that pop report at least for a period of time is going to be small it's going to be much smaller than it would be otherwise however we also would probably see that pop report being small anyways because anyone that sent them in Probably isn't sending him in on a 10-day, five-day service, you know? Yep. So that, that's probably that's probably what the gist of this is. I wonder if the bulk submission for uh graders is gonna go up that, you know, is gonna go up that significantly. Cause I'm sure they're just trying to stop people like me from sending in to Seth Tops updates, you know? Tatis rookie debut. Or a not, not even no. Sorry, I meant second year cup. That's what I meant. Not even rookie debut. Yeah, I, I, I can't. I have one sitting around here somewhere, but I can't find it. <laughs> yeah. So there's also a flip side to this. So I'm sitting here right now saying they squeeze the people out of the industry that don't have the money to pay up to try to get these cards graded. They can't make the profit off of them. Now there is a way that that can be fixed, other than just PSA bringing in AI grading. That's another company coming in and actually being taken seriously. And I'm not saying that people aren't taking HGA seriously because people definitely are. I mean, they they say that they accept 1,500 cards a week. You have to go and sit in a queue to try to get a card grading spot. And then they accept your cards because they know what will happen if they take unlimited submissions. They'll fall in the same thing as PSA or like what SGC did. Remember SGC at the national, Nate? Everyone's like, oh, SGC, it's a way to go. PSA so long, BGS so long, SGC so cheap. Next thing you know, SGC gets slammed. Wait times take forever. Customer service isn't as good because they don't have as many people. And then it's even worse for them than it was if they, you know, PSA never got backed up. Mm -hmm. So HGA is actually doing something to control that, which is good because they get squeezed out really fast if they fell into the same problem. Now, the thing about HGA is unless these values provide on the secondary market enough to give an opportunity for someone to send them to get graded, then it just doesn't make sense for the majority of people. Then you're buying and selling raw cards. But if there's a place like HGA or like SGC or like GMA that can take a hold of this lower end uh, population, it could work. And I, everyone who's watched this has known that I've like been outwardly against other grading card companies because I think that brand means so much. And PSA's brand and PSA's labels and grades just go so far. But if there's no opportunity to grade those lower end cards anymore, then I am for another company coming in and filling that void. Because I want people to be able to open up their 2021 Top Series 1 packs and see an opportunity to grade a card like a Joe Adele rookie. Yeah. Uh, with these prices, there's literally I, – I mean, I was by a Walmart today. I was by a Target today. And no part of me wanted to stop in to buy packs because – Because you no open them – There's no opportunity and, to make money unless you hit a gold or a foil or – something of a, of a major rookie, not just like a rookie, a major rookie. Now, now, Nate, you all, I know you also would open the pack regardless if you could get your hands on one. Well, well, yes, but you get my point. <laughs> it just like takes away that side of you. It's like, oh, I can get my money back someday, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I see a lot of people talking um, in, in, the, uh, in the chat here. There's just a lot coming in right now. And I, it's hard to know exactly what's going to happen because 
We like everyone, in, myself included, praise the acquisition of PSA, taking it from public to private, bringing in someone who's a tech guy, bringing in someone who's a hobby guy. I think that only betters PSA long term. Um, the point where this gets sticky is do current graded PSA cards, your PSA 10s and your PSA 9s of cards between like $100 and $200, do those start to get more sought after? Because now there's going to be yeah. even more scares. As Nate shows a Wander Franco mojo. Um, now, now these PSA 10s and 9s are going to be even more scarce than they were before. So, so buy up those 9s. On one part of me, though, says, oh, yes, scarcity rules. The more slabs that come off the market, the less that come into the market, make the prices go higher. The other side of me says, if people really hate this move, like really hate this move, and don't buy PSA 10s or 9 because of it that were already graded, that's not good either. Um, I, I was talking to Jamil. I think it's Jamil. And we were talking about this and talking about um, you know raising prices and stopping grading potentially to, to uh, loosen up the backlog. And to me and to him, it's like, why would you discourage someone from supporting you and sending you cards? Like why? I get why you had to do it right now. If anything, though, start by increasing it by like 33% versus 100%. So that, that's where I'm at. I know a lot of people in here. What's up, Nate? Let's read this. This is interesting. It says, man, if Nate is saying that deters him from buying retail, how many new collectors are going to back out because they are only in it for the money? I really hope that's not the case. That's an interesting thought because while I usually buy stuff if I think I can make money, like I'm not going to like buy stuff and be like, there's literally no chance of me making money, but I'm going to buy it, right? I would never do that. That being said, I'm not always buying packs to make money. Like, I just buy packs because I enjoy ripping it. But once the idea that, like, if I buy a pack and I don't get anything out of it, I'm not upset because um, I enjoy ripping the pack. But there's always that thought process behind it that says, hey, you get the right one or two rookies, PSA 10, you've made your money. And now you get to a point where you can't have that and that's in the back of your mind. So then I'll still probably be like, okay, I see a pack here or there. I'll still buy it. But he's right. There's going to be a lot of people that were going to buy packs. And now that there's not an easy path to money, they're probably gone. Here, here's the other thing I'm thinking about is um, how, like I'm going to be so intrigued to watch to see how this changes the market. Do raw cards become worth less now because there's less opportunity to make money on them? Or do raw cards become more valuable now because that's all people are going to be buying and collecting? Like, I don't know what's going to happen. And unless someone else steps up and really takes a stronghold on providing value past the actual grade, meaning secondary market sale value, it might not be pretty for a little bit here with new cards coming out. Now, obviously, you look back at 2017, 2018, and all those cards graded are already out there. So I'm not talking about those. I'm not talking about your Jason Tatum, Silver Select, PSA 10, whatever. You know, that's going to move its market as it does. I'm talking about like you got Donners coming out now for 2020, 2021 basketball. People opening that, are they going to be deterred from opening it like Nate said? Are they going to be deterred from buying up raw lots because now they have to pay more to grade them all? And does that mean that the values are worth less? Does it mean that they're worth more? I think hey, a lot you know of people here, Kevin Oscar T says that they think raw is going to go up in value for the people that are hate, hate buying grades and just like buying cards. This is like Christmas in uh, March because uh, there's be so many people that are like, I don't buy the grade, buy the card, which to an extent. Yeah, that's a fair, that's a fair thing. If you like the card, who cares if it's a PSA seven, right? Who cares if it's a PSA three? Yeah. Um. Now to some extent you want the card to be nice. Right. Yeah. And like you, yes, PSA 10 guarantees that it's a nice card. But uh, for those people, it's it's got to be nice because they're like, see, I didn't care about the PSA slab anyways. And now there's going to be all of these Teoscar Hernandez is on them. That's a bad example. But, you know, <laughs> random Joe Blow on the market that people aren't going to grade now. So there's other things I'm thinking about here are like serial numbered cards. Do those now become even more sought after? Or now do base cards with really low populations become even more sought after? Because it's so hard to probably to find now a newer base card graded. Like, 
I can see both ways that can go. And this is something that Kevin brings up, limestone cards on Instagram. Grading money will not go to the other facets of the hobby. So that can be true in some senses. Like for myself, if I were to be buying and selling and grading, like no doubt I'm a collector, I'm a, you know, I'm a buyer long-term, stuff like that. Like I would for sure see myself doing that. Someone else that isn't nearly as in love with cards. I mean, I've been doing this for my whole life almost. Do they just walk away in total if they don't see that easy money making? Like that's, I think, the bigger um, thing to discuss. Like, yes, for some, it will go to other facets. For others, it might leave. So, and especially with the amount of rage around digital collectibles right now and NFTs, um, it seems like the wrong time for PSA to try to dissuade people from buying and sending cards to get graded and all that stuff. It just seems like the wrong time. And and if that and if this makes current PSA tens go up in value, then that's how the, it's going to make up for it. That might be if you know if we're tracking uh, you know silver prism PSA tens because those actually have low enough pops to adjust. I'd say base PSA tens of rookies like Luca Tatum, or I should say like Luca Zion. Those are so high, it'd be so hard to see actual upward movement in those. But if you have a you know a Lucas uh, select silver PSA ten and you're like holy cow, um, you know these cards are going to be rare and, or the cases the tens are rare. Like I could see them go up in value, but how long does it take for that to happen? So this is the other thing. This this is very very key, and this also might let you find Donruss blasters, hoops blasters in retail now. If people aren't able to get these boxes like nate was saying and psa 10 their cards to them or at least have the idea to send them to psa the idea to get those psa 10s of lamello of uh boba of joe adele whoever it might be that hurts the sealed retail wax because there aren't those scarce serial numbered cards in there now in baseball you have a little bit more upside with the golds and the uh, foils in basketball you better be hitting uh you know a short print or a silver if you're opening prism, which are going to be very printed highly this year. <laughs> very printed highly. Whatever. Highly printed. <laughs> uh, Townsend should have closed down accepting cards for a month and how HGA only takes a certain amount to guarantee turnaround time and they should have focused on getting caught up on the backlog. That's an interesting point. Um, what's the difference, Nate, if they shut down accepting submissions for a month or two versus increasing prices by a hundred percent what which one is better perceived which one gives them more business in the future well i tell you which one gives them more business right now i don't think they want to i don't think any company wants to take the move to not make money in the short term and i can't blame them for increasing prices because they'll still then make money imagine if you're a business and you're like okay we're not going to make any money for two months and we're going to pay all of our employees to still work through these cards, but make literally no money. I don't know any company that would like want to do that. Yeah. And the other question uh, I was then thinking, of, oh, I know what I was thinking of. It was bound to happen that PSA is going to take a larger cut of the pie. Think about how many cards have been sent in that have went from $100 to $700. It is bound to happen eventually that they take a larger cut. This is a lot larger than I first thought, 100% increase or in some cases, uh, 33% increase in the, the uh, Super Express 200 or 300 or whatever, but um, it's crazy. Well, actually, you know what? That's a fair point because I should have known that since we never get charged yeah. for our PSA cards. So I you guess it wouldn't really affect them. Well, no, it does though. It does because if they shut down their service – they can turn those super expresses around in a week or two right now, two weeks. So if they shut it down, they're not making those $300 every card while also continuously working through the backlog. So it does, it does matter, but just, uh, yeah, the ones in the backlog only get charged when like they'd still be making money because they're filling up or unfilling the backlog. I wonder how much money in grading submissions is sitting there right now. How much revenue? I mean, 10 million times, uh, average of maybe, I don't know, $40 a grade or something. Um, did you show this one? I was going to. Oh, and I, uh, Jacob Grossman, what do you think this does to Eloy flagship PSA 10s and guys like that hero, Tony Gleiber? So clearly, uh, Jacob is talking about second tier um, players. You know, not Tatis, not Acuna, not 
Vlad, not well, maybe Vlad, a Vlad type guy, but not really because he's number one prospect type guy. Um, but what is it going to do to the second tier of guys? And Eloy is a good example. I just saw his Topps Chrome. I saw one was ending the day. Topps Chrome PSA 10 was like 120 bucks. And with less people going to be sending those cards in now, because there's some cards that people just have to be like, you know, don't realize. And then they realize that it gets up to $100 and like, oh, I should send that in. Um, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Topps Chrome PSA 10s too. You know, those were up over $100, which was surprising to me. I didn't realize that. Um, I got to imagine in my heart, I feel like it makes them more expensive. The second tier guys, maybe not like the Juan Soto's because we already have like 15,000 top series two PSA tents, right? Here, here's the thing, Nate, is that while there's yes, less PSA tens than a guy like Juan Soto, if one of those guys becomes like Juan Soto, yeah, then, then you're going to them all. Then it'll be way more. But yeah. my, the problem sitting with here is that for 2019 cards, either basketball or baseball, whatever it is, there's a ton sitting in the backlog, and there's already a lot graded. If we're sitting here and talking about it, release uh, like 2021, obviously top series one, um, those are going to be so interesting to track the pop report versus the 2019 class. Like you look at Joe Adele and there's 300 PSA tens for the next six months versus Eloy that there's 4,000 for or something like, yeah, it's going to be so I like, that's going to be fun for us at least to track and to see what does that hey, do. We should, we should take, we should take screenshots of some of our favorite PSA cards today and then do like a month-by-month month tracking. I mean, I can't wait to do that with Slap Sox Pro. Am I right? True. <laughs> All right. Let's – you right. guys are the best, though. Thank you, everyone, for joining today. I really appreciate that. Please hit that subscribe button if you guys want to join more of these conversations going forward because we'll definitely have more of these conversations going forward. And we got more tonight, too. We got a whole oh. – Whole Q and A. Anything else you want to bring up here that people are saying? Yeah, it? yeah, I just, I just think it's very interesting that uh, if you go through the comments, right? We've got 237 people in here. Obviously, there's not 237 people commenting on the thing, but uh, we all like to think we know what's best for PSA, even though PSA clearly has their own people working through all of the scenarios before they do this. They're not just going to come out and say, "Hey, we're going to do this," and then did it without thinking, right? They would never get away with that, right? Um. So they have all their they have all their ducks in a row before releasing something like this. But it is interesting. You know, I have ideas on it. You have ideas on it. And everyone in the comment section also has ideas on it. And nobody agrees. And that's why this is a tough situation for PSA, is that some people think it's the best thing for the hobby. Some yeah. think people think it's the worst thing for the hobby. Some people think it's unfair. Some people think it's just basic because, business. You know? Because here's the thing. Is it more unfair for someone who's looking to submit a card now? Or is it more unfair for those people who have been waiting for a year to get their cards back? Yeah. And, you know, in, so, in, in a lot of cases, you wait a year. You send in the right guys. You wait a year and your prices have gone up. But in some cases, if you're waiting a year to get your Luka Doncic prism back, You've lost money, right? Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero is a huge example. Do you know how many people rushed to gray his cards after like the end of the season of the bubble? And now we're saying with cards that lost 50% of their value or something? Yeah. Like that's tough. Um, another thing I wanted to point out that Nate said is that just like the whole like a lot of people disagree thing. Um, I hear some people say, like Nate said, like Kevin has been a huge advocate, limestone cards on Instagram, that this is the best thing that could have happened to help further the grading of the industry it could be it could be and the the bigger issue i think is that people see psa increase the prices and they initially or automatically think greedy doing it to make money don't care about the collector which i think is false widely because i don't think that psa gets acquired for 930 million dollars by a collector by a tech guru to just turn away collectors now if they don't fix these prices in the next six months and they don't lower them back to something that's sustainable for the hobby and new people get involved, then we might have some issues. Um, I kind of wish that we would get more information into what the plan is because I think going private, having like Nat being uh, one of the, you know, obviously forward faces of the company now and Joe, Joe Orlando and everyone, um, I would expect someone to come on and say what the plan is here, just like as if Slab Stocks were to do something that would alter the way that their audience would react to what they're doing, I'd expect 
both of us to come on and say something on it, right? So, and I get that PSA is working with a much bigger audience than Slab Stocks is, or at least customer base with millions and millions of cards there. But I still think that something needs to be said from someone at the top of that company and how this is going to work now versus in a year from now. I mean, come on, you can't reveal any secrets if you're going for AI grading. Places are already doing it. It's not like that people haven't thought about it before. You know, like we've been talking about it for years, Nate. Mm-hmm. So it's not like that you're going to like mess anything up with your long-term future. You have all the money to now to do whatever you want, really. This is a fair point. If people pay the prices, they'll never have a reason to lower them back down. I, I've, It's hard because if your PSA do care more about your market share, how many cards are coming your way or your overall revenue. Myself, not caring that much about money, I care more about who are we affecting. Who are they we? Were bought, they were just not bought for nine hundred thirty million dollars. They're not looking. They're looking for revenue. <laughs> no, I no, I know. I agree with you, but you know what I'm saying? It's just as like with us. Like I'd way rather try to lower the prices and, and get people more involved. Yeah, but not everyone is us. I know. I know. So just well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We never know. Um, All right. One one more thing. One more thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. You're gonna do that one. Kevin one says ninety day, fifteen dollars coming. I'll scream it all day. I don't know when that's going to come, and I don't know how long the backlog would increase with that, but I'd be scared. <laughs> yeah, you think that, that'd be drastic backlog. Um, yeah. I am interested to see how this goes for some, you know, some product for breakers, because like breaking 2021 Top Series 1, right? If you know, you're charging this much per box, like tops, $140 for a Top Series 1 box. Well, if you have to pay, say, $25 a card through a through a group break and you guarantee yourself maybe five of the six big rookies or whatever, and maybe three of them are PSA 10s, that's another $75 on top of the $140 box. And you're not going to clear that with uh, – you're not you're just not going to clear that. Yeah. And so then um, you're going to get uh, teams that people are interested in like a uh, – Randy Rosarina, right? You know, interested in Cardinals last year just to get him or near the end of the year when he popped off. Those teams might not be worth as much anymore. Right. I feel you. All right, we're over 30 minutes now, so I think it's time for us to get on to some other topics in this live stream because they are important as well. But uh, I do appreciate you all being here. This is the most we've had in the live stream for a bit. And uh, thank you all for your comments. They all they all mean something to us. And uh we all learn from you all as well as I'm sure that other people are learning from your comments too. Uh, we always encourage people to share your thoughts. And I just want to thank you all for uh, supporting Slab Stocks. It means a lot to us. All right, here's the next big news that came out last night was that Luka Doncic, Logo Man, NTRPA, one of one on card auto, sold for $4.6 million. That was in a private deal, not a public auction, not an auction house, not an eBay auction, which would be crazy to auction that through eBay, but uh, a private deal between chain 150 on instagram and the gentleman right here who i now follow on instagram i found his uh, instagram handle and uh crazy 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 most expensive basketball card of all time who knows when that gets broken next but uh just wow congrats to shane on that big deal i know he bought it i think he said he bought it for like and this he didn't tell me this this is just what i'm remembering from a while ago i think it was bought between 50 and 100k two years ago so to see that is insane so congrats to Shane on that huge sale. It blew up the social media last night and uh, just wow. <laughs> I mean, if you guys thought that modern was decreasing or there wasn't any room for modern, it's it's here. Kyle, um, economy is no longer a thing. They put a price on it, but it's no longer a thing. You can't submit by economy, but group submitters, I saw someone else say something about group submitting. Um, those prices probably won't come out until tomorrow. I heard some other group submitters say that their values will come out tomorrow. They will offer a 40 days, 45 day submission, which is cheaper than one than the $100. So there is going to be options available, but it's going to be more than it was before. Yep. All right. Slab Sucks Breaks. We were live in Miami, opened a 2012 Prism retail box, the biggest box we ever broke, and uh, hit a Damian Lillard rookie. So a really cool picture uh, that we had shot there. And it was an absolute fun time. Had a huge blast. And uh, what else did we hit? I didn't actually get to see it. Uh, we hit a Clay Thompson rookie. We hit Stephen Curry, Jimmy Butler, Andre Drummond, but we were short a pack. 23 packs what? were only in the box out of 24. I for- forgot to talk to you about this, Nate. 
yeah, one pack was missing. Talked to some people, saw some comments on Instagram. And back in 2012, Prism Retail Boxes, someone said that three of their five boxes were missing a pack. Someone said they opened four cases, multiple boxes missing a pack. So it didn't seem resealed to me. I opened the entire thing. Um, there are still a bunch of good cards in there. But to be missing a pack stunk, we refunded the buyer. Obviously, always take care of those situations. But it's still a super fun time. And uh, this week, we have two breaks remaining. So these are both supposed to be going down tomorrow. So if you all want to have some fun, get into something really cool, 2004-05 Tops Chrome Basketball, we are doing tomorrow. We have seven packs left, I think. And then Shining Fates, we have three bundles left. Um, they are on the more expensive side. You do get all Shining Fates packs. But the reason why they're more expensive is because there's a guaranteed Charizard PSA 9 that's going to be in one of the bundles. So that's why they're slabstocks.com slash shop. To get involved for tomorrow's Slabstocks breaks, which I'm very excited about, um, 0405 Chrome's huge. I mean, X-Fractor is guaranteed in the box. LeBron X-Fractor sells for over $10,000. BGS9 sold for thirteen. dollars Other refractors in the box. Second year LeBron base PSA 10 sells for $3,000. A really big box. So if you guys want to get involved and uh, help us fill that and have an awesome break tomorrow, slabstocks.com slash shop. And then we have a limited edition T-shirt that's up until Friday of this week. It's so only for sale for... I think six or seven days. It's going to be serial number, just like your sports cards. I'm wearing it right now. This is uh, the sample, and it's supposed to be looking like a Sapphire shirt. So, Nate, your top scrum, Sapphire baseball. I'm a huge fan of Sapphire soccer. We did a little special edition Sapphire soccer shirt. Um, or, sorry, S- Sapphire edition shirt, not necessarily soccer. But it will be serial numbered, and it will be a collector's item uh, numbered out of the amount that are purchased through Friday. So, Hit up slabstocks.com slash shop to uh, get yours now if you want to. And we appreciate all of your support. If you get a shirt, if you don't get a shirt, doesn't matter to us. We are just happy to have you here talking sports cards with us. And now it's time to get on to the next topic. And also, shirt sizes run from small to triple XL. So we are trying to make sure we had sizes that fit everyone and everyone can get one if they do wish so. And Kevin, thank you so much for uh, for getting that. I do appreciate that. All right, we have got a talk here about modern basketball cards. So there's a comment that came from G uh, G Robo's cards about modern going down value, which has definitely happened. I'm not sharing this Zion PSA 10 silver, uh, you know, sale value to say that all modern is going up right now because it's definitely not. It's kind of flatlined right now, but there are aspects of modern cards that are increasing and it's not going to be necessarily your base PSA 10s, but it's going to be the Tough cards to grade. Zion Silver PSA 10, very hard card to grade. The pop report is very small. The gem rate is very low. And this card jumped from $3,600 most recently to $4,500 to $4,800 in the last three weeks, three and a half weeks or so. So that's a pretty huge increase for a modern basketball card. Um, the I just lost my train of thought. Zion has been playing very well recently, of course. I don't know, Nate. Have you been seeing how well he's been playing? Because he's amazing. Um, he is on my fantasy team. And uh, my fantasy team just beat the second best team in the league, 7-1. to one, No big deal. Uh, so, yes, I have seen. I mean, every day I feel like he goes 11 for 15 for 28 points. It's insane. Yeah. No, he's, uh, he, uh, he's, so, he's so fun to watch, too. So, in general, I feel as I've been tracking the modern basketball card market, we're kind of at a flat line right now. But here's the thing. Do you guys remember back to October when Nate and I were sitting there talking on Instagram Live about modern basketball cards and how they went down so much from August to October? They flatlined. You see Zion. You see Luca or someone go up like 10, 5, 5 to 15%. And then you start to see the rest of the wave come after it. I'm not going to sit here and say that all modern basketball is going to go up right now because so much of it during the season also has to do with how they're performing. But I wouldn't be surprised if there's more demand to lower pop modern cards in the near future because everything goes in waves. You see people rush to vintage. You see people rush to top shot. You see people sell off when they get profit. You see people sell off over here when they get profit, and then they go back to another thing. And it's almost cyclical. It's not always timed the exact same way. But I do think that modern basketball is going to have its time to shine. And I'm not saying every player. It obviously has to do with players that are playing well right now, um, that people want to buy and hold. And I think that 
you know, relatability has a lot to do with it too, because Nate and I know as more as, you know, as much as anyone that you guys know too, is that cards are not bought necessarily always because of performance, but because of how much they're talked about and how much yeah. they have fans of them and how much, um, you know, they're collectible. And I think that has a lot to do with it. Zion, very likable guy, very likable. And I think that you see him play well and his cards are going to go up. Um, there's other players I don't think people are as much big of fans of. You see them play really well, and there's not as much price movement. Not to mention that Zion's one of the top prospects in the NBA, too, so that doesn't hurt. <laughs> yeah. And he has a very interesting game. That's the other thing. You need a unique characteristic. Is that not true? I feel like you have a unique characteristic that not many people have, and that's also a recipe for success. Yeah. Like Tatis, you know? He's just so unique on the diamond. Also, Nate, I've never, I haven't been that much into the baseball world of things in the okay. last year, and I read a tweet today. Please, people, stop comparing Juan Soto and Mike Trout and saying he'll be the next Mike Trout. I've loved Soto for a long time, as I know you have, because you're the one that got me into loving Juan Soto. Also, shout out to Juan Soto for reposting our graph on Instagram. That was unreal. I called Nate, and I, Nate couldn't even believe it. I could um, not. But still, are people actually out there saying that Juan Soto could be the next Mike Trout? If there are, they don't pay attention to baseball, and they just pay attention to offense. Yeah. And that's the only thing they're looking at because Juan Soto's bat is absolutely unbelievable, but he doesn't have any other part of the game that Mike Trout has. Yeah. But, what? hey, what about this? How do you feel in baseball about, like, the, oh, Juan Soto's a ring and he's only 22? Like, clearly – I mean, I, it probably helps a little bit being so young and having won a championship, but if they cared, what would my Mike Trout PSA 10 tops updates would not be $5,000 right now. No. Right? No. And now Mike Trout could be one of those, that situation where it's like, oh, you know, uh, he's just so good it doesn't matter. But then you go down the list to say a Cody Bellinger. 24 years old last year, wins a championship, but doesn't have that great of a year. His prices aren't that Dude, drastic. Did you see that the odds for MVP right now is Mookie Betts one, Cody Bellinger two, two Dodgers? Another good point, Mookie Betts. We just watched on my last Staying Corners video, the green Bowman Chrome model, BGS 9.5, sells for $12,000. It's like the dude just won a championship. He's one of the best players in baseball for the last six years. Seven years, whatever. Yeah, two it championships. Is. Two championships, one with the Red Sox. And yet, um, his green BGS 9.5 sold for a, a thousand more dollars than a Spencer Torkelson orange. That was a dude. I can't believe how many views that got on Instagram. Do you see that? Also, there's a shocking amount of people. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Spencer Torkelson. Hit really well last year in uh, this summer camp or whatever. Um, that being said, and and I know it's an orange compared to a green. That being said, absurd. Wait, wait, wait. Simon says four point six million for Jordan with six titles and Luca with zero. I just want to go back to Luca Doncic sale because I actually didn't comment on the sale price itself, dude. If I was paying four point six million dollars on sports cards, I would get all the Jordan, Kobe, and LeBron in the world—the rarest stuff that I could get for four point six million. That's not just one card. Like I mean, oh. if you if if you're spending four point six million dollars on a card, at some point, I feel like it's not an investment, and you just have to love Luca. Yeah, and be like, I'm the guy that owns six million dollars on a card as an investment. That's insane. Yeah, be, dude, you could get literally all the rarest inserts of Jordan, or a lot of super rare inserts of Jordan, a lot of super rare inserts of Kobe, refractor PSA ten. Uh, also, the sale—I don't think that the sale price was fake. Um, I think people who really know Shane in the in the in the space—I've spoken to a lot of people I've known for a while. He's one of those guys out there that is like top notch in like terms of hobby, um, you know, regard. Um, this guy has got so many exquisite logo men, so many different big things. He's been in for forever. I don't think that that sale was fake in the slightest. I don't think the sale price was fake. I do think they negotiated a few other cards with it and deemed the Luca to be 4.6 million of the total sale, which is fine. But it's it's still a crazy. 
still a crazy, crazy sale. Remember when Twins fans were saying Bucks and Sano would be like having Trout and Harper in the same lineup? And then Twins fans were probably saying um, uh, Royce Lewis and uh, Alex, Kirloff. Alex Kirloff. Of course, I like both those guys. And unfortunately, Lu- Royce Lewis just injured himself. Yeah. Off the year, but yeah. You just never know with prospects. Yeah. You just never know. But neither here nor there. I just thought it was funny from Sam. So I figured I'd post it. All right. Could the card show boom be coming back to the hobby? If so, how does this affect prices? So this is a screenshot I took off of the Instagram live I did at the courtside card show in Miami this past weekend. Guys, there were hundreds of people in that gym. There were so many people in that gym in a very small area. Uh, people were coming out in droves that doubled the attendance from the last show. I think that, yes, card shows are booming right now. I think people are dying to interact in person over the hobby. I have a vlog coming out over the next three to four days, maybe two to four days. I don't know the exact day it'll drop yet. Thursday? But, uh, it's it's going to be a really good video. You guys are going to be able to see what it's like being at a card show right now, um, seeing how many people are there. Is a super fun time. I think card shows are big. I'm going to going to Dallas in March. I'm gonna do another vlog there. So uh, yeah, man, they're they're big time, and people are really having a fun time there. And even if they're not all busy, like Dallas, I think the more important thing is that you're seeing them pop up. Yes. Um, yes. The same day you got you had your uh, card show courtside card show in Miami with summertime cards. Um, I saw. Another collector too on my Instagram being popped up in like Ohio, something so, like that. So yeah, there was Ship Shawana, I think, in any in Indiana. Um, B sports cards hosted in New Jersey. There was a sports card show. There's a hundred person line for. Um, that's very true, is that there are card shows popping up because there, people want to go. There's three card shows a year in the mall here in Eau Claire. And uh, I just went to one the other day, just popped my head in just to see. I didn't have any money on me, so I didn't sit stick around. Um, and you know, every booth was filled and there was a lot of people in there. And yeah. so it doesn't necessarily, I see, I say this cause I saw one person that said every card show I go to looks like that, uh, booming for sure. And I couldn't decide if he was being sarcastic or not. Um, but it's not really about the, it's not really about the, uh, the amount of people that show up, I think more along the lines of the amount of card shows that are popping up. I agree. But also my people showing up definitely matters. <laughs> Well, yes. Also, but- wait, wait. Not just the amount of people showing up, but the cards that are being brought to them. Nate, remember two years ago when we were sitting in Minnesota and I had all the nicest baseball slabs out there of the entire show and Nobody not one person bad an eye, but you have a $20 non-graded card and get bought just like that. That's when the inventory is changing like crazy from what it was three years ago. Update. Not sarcastic. <laughs> well, yeah, there you I mean, go. this was a 40, 40-table 40 show and it was loaded. All right, Nate, here we go. It's quiz time. Can you Ooh. explain the difference between the 93 Derek Jeter Upper Deck Gold Emblem card, emblem card and the regular card? I like to pick up the gold one, but I can't tell exactly what I'm looking for in the emblem. Nate, what the heck's the difference between these two cards? Is it going to be the stupid Upper Deck logo on the back? Yes, it is. <laughs> All right, Nate. Now tell me, how much... Is the price difference between a silver upper deck logo and a gold upper deck logo? Give me a margin. Don't it's look at the chat. Be, it's going to be some stupid amount for a thing that is just, is a tiny color on the back of a card you never look at. I can tell you that much. Boom. Nine hundred twenty-two for a PSA ten silver hologram. Fifteen thousand for a gold PSA ten hologram. If that isn't the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my entire life, I don't know what is. The front, can you show me the front of the card again? Yeah, I can. The exact same, the exact same the card. card. <laughs> the only difference is a tiny little diamond logo that says Upper Deck. That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I've seen a lot of dumb things in this hobby by going through and looking at the card market every single day. And yet I'm pretty sure this takes the cake. I knew you liked this. I, I'm so glad you didn't actually do the research on this that I did it because I wanted to surprise you with it. Oh, <laughs> it's uh, I, a baseball I, diamond. It's got to be like one two hundredth of the card. 
I was hoping that the upper deck logo would be like gold foil or something. Like, and all the writing was foil, but no, nope. yeah. like Stadium Club does. Yeah. Hey, someone tell me what the pop report is on the gold one. It's probably insanely low, which is why. But I'm just curious. It's but, probably something like six still, or five. The or six. card looks exactly the same. I know. It's I just know. a logo on the back. <laughs> like me saying, like, hey, look, I changed the name on the back to a different font. This is now a rare card. They really, they were really hard to hit, to pull. To be fair, yet Sally, it's the stupidest way to designate a harder pull. LOL. Uh, Kyle, if there was a prism silver that was numbered out of hundred, and then just a prism silver that didn't have the numbering, I'd also probably say is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, at because least there's, there's a change. There's nothing different between the appearance of this card other than the back, the hologram. Like most serial number cards now, they actually appear different. You know. Yeah. Funny though. I mean, I mean, to be fair. The change in color is kind of like a stupid thing. Anything, anyways, it's the same card. It's kind of like this, I guess. Kyle got the gold one, numbered to fifty, but you're literally looking at the same card as the base that has fifteen thousand. You know, yeah. If you think about it that way, that's also stupid. I know. Pop pop forty five in the gold. It's not even like it's five. <laughs> Incredible. Crazy. Serious collector. How's it going? All right. So we'll try to keep this one not as long as the opening, but now this is about BGS. Uh, closing the gap on PSA in terms of value, I don't think that BGS, like I said, all the time is doing enough to communicate with their customers, to increase their service, to do anything. So I don't see why BGS would close the gap, um, especially if PSA is only increasing their value proposition to those that are submitting for higher dollars, and then their cards are worth more in, the, in, the, um, in turn because of that. Now, I do... And it brings me back to the conversation at the very beginning. I do kind of worry that PSA is going to try to go more towards this like super high end or rare, like try to get exclusive with that. And I think that's a big problem if they don't bring in maybe another brand that then brings in the lower end aspect of it. It might not be a big problem for the industry, but it might be a big problem for PSA if they try to push out the people that built up their company. Let's be honest. Would PSA be as big as they are if PSA 10s of Acuna never started selling for $200 or something, you know? No. So that's why I really do feel like PSA needs to eventually commit back to that lower end service at some point. And uh, hey, peeps. Yeah. Hey, man. Big episode today. It's a lot of great discussion. I do thank all of you for joining today and talking in the comments. It means a lot. And it's a super fun time with the more of you are, the more that we get to discuss the hobby and the better uh, everyone else learns, too, because like we always say, it's more than just us here talking. It's all of you. We value all your opinions very highly. Well, that's the best part. You go through this, and a lot of times there's just conversations being had in here. Yeah. Don't even need to chime in. Hey, Timo, I, uh, PSA should invest in some AI to speed things up. If they were investing in AI right now, I'd, I'd be flabbergasted. So they, they got it. I'm sure they're investing in AI right now. Yeah. Um, baseball, thoughts on yeah. minor league investment? So, Aaron, what is he talking about here when he asks thoughts on minor league adjustment? Quizzes. Dude, do they like decrease the amount of games, decrease the amount of leagues? Do they do something like that? They 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 decrease the amount of affiliates from 162 down to 120. So um, that means that teams lost. What did they lose? Uh, most teams lost a rookie team, um, sometimes two. Yeah. Um, maybe like uh, there you have low A and high A. Some teams had like an A ball, low A, high A, A. Right, yeah, um, I knew that. So 42 teams gone. Um, really stinks for Montana as all of their rookie league ball teams and like Missoula and Helena and stuff like that, gone. Um, but there's going to be probably more independent league teams popping up because you have these stadiums there and um, less teams mean less, less people playing baseball, right? If you don't have... If you if the Brewers lose two rookie ball teams, that is fifty guys that are no longer employed. Employed. Um, so you're going to have more independent league t- teams, which I guess could be nice. Um, we'll see how that goes. How's uh, it about cards though? I know it's about cards. One thing, and <laughs> I'll just, get to I'm it. Just curious. One thing uh, interesting is that you have um, teams like the St. Paul Saints. Remember when we went to a St. Paul Saints game? I do remember that? Yep. They're now a AAA team for the Twins. Are you serious? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, so do they do they rotate the players over there then? 
Well, yeah, it's just their AAA team. Now, so you're saying Royce Lewis would be in a St. Paul Saints uniform? Correct, if he didn't tear his ACL and was out for nine months. Right, that's insane. Um, yeah, so you got that. And then um, uh, on the on the player side, it's interesting because now you have – it's more specific team-oriented. You have teams like the Brewers, because I know the Brewers the best, right? Um they no longer place in they were playing in Colorado Springs and then they went to San Antonio for a year. But that's two pretty bad ballparks that we didn't want to play in. And now we are in uh Nashville, where the Nashville Sounds again, years after we were the Nashville Sounds. I remember that significantly better for player development um for the Brewers' sake. So uh there's gonna be teams that ended up in better spots. Um, and I'm not gonna list them all here. But uh, there's going to be teams that end up in better spots that have players that are going to be in much better uh, ballparks for their numbers and subsequently their Bowman Cone prospect prices. Yeah. And that's how I looped in cards. Nice. Hey, Justin, I lived in Minnesota for uh, 10 years. And also, I know how much the Saints meant to Minnesota. So to hear that, I, I feel like not that I really am affected by it but like my friends in minnesota i can see and be like super excited about that that's uh that's cool and would be clubs will be loaning players to indies okay that's interesting i hadn't seen that so um that's also kind of concerning obviously it will be your like 19th round picks that are probably getting loaned out to indie ball but what are the odds that one of those guys would have popped later if he got the correct um instruction in your organization and now He's going to an indie ball team to learn. I don't love it. All right, Nate. So this is one thing you missed, but sports cards, MA on Instagram asked, uh, what is your favorite thing to open? So you didn't get a picture in there, but you can uh, explain. I put down top scrum Sapphire, which is why we got these shirts made uh, for soccer. It's my favorite thing to break on our channel. Probably other than the Friday NBA showcases, but those rotate all the time. I, Love it because the potential of hitting a big card is so high in them. You know, you're going to hit Fati and Holland. You can hit a huge color. You can hit all three like we did last week. And then also 2008 Tops football is a set that really got me started in sports cards all the way back in 08. Um, I really want to open some of that again. But uh, that would be like, oh, if I could just like go back and open more of that, I totally would. And that has nothing to do with money, of course, at all. I just love how what it meant to me for, for, uh, for the hobby and myself being here, sitting here today with all of you. Uh, my favorite thing to open. Well, since I'm see, I had struggle with. I saw this question. I put it in here. Struggled with it because you know I'm poor. So like, my favorite thing to open is like a gravity feedback from Walmart for three bucks. Uh, that being said, if I had a choice, I would love to open some 2016 Bowman uh, product. Yeah, doesn't matter which one, just something. Yeah, that would be really fun. Not draft because we just opened that, but. You know, get a soda or something. Bowman Chrome. Yeah. Hey, Vegas, Nate, and Aaron V. <laughs> What's Dibs? Um, I've known about Dibs for a while now, a few months actually, and they're launching pretty soon. It's kind of like Imagine Robin Hood, but for sports cards where they have people that are constantly buying and selling your shares as you dictate you want to buy and sell them. I don't know enough about it. I know that's launching soon. I know it's day trading orientated. It's intangibly orientated but it's actually backed by cards but i also just don't know enough to comment right now on what's the long-term outlook um i do just really briefly like i'm kind of curious how we expect people to be sitting here and buying your shares from you for whatever the value changes to constantly if a player gets hurt like you just get stuck with that if no one wants to buy it from you because this isn't peer-to-peer selling necessarily like this isn't rally. This isn't fractional ownership of high-end cards necessarily because that's peer-to-peer selling only and then one person coming in and offering a buyout. That's the other option to sell it. This is lower-end cards in baskets that make up the funds of the player. And there's there's probably going to be growing pains with it, but I could see it being valuable. It'll be interesting to track and to see how it gets launched and what happens. That's all I got for now. I don't I don't have enough comments on it at the moment, but um I see a lot of people are excited about it, so that's cool to hear. And yes, Michael, tops chrome, sapphire soccer, indeed. And also there's a five dollar super chat earlier from I think Jacob Grossman was his name, if I remember correctly. Uh thank you very much for that. Camp Kessum. 
I will say this right now. I was not prepared to put this up here, but for all of you that watch our live streams for SX Breaks, we raised over $1,000 to Camp Kesem in two months because all of you and because of us putting bounties on things. And we were able to partner with Camp Kesem to launch our own fundraiser page. So $5 was donated through Jacob Grossman. Normally that goes right to Camp Kesem. We donate the money for you. However, we have made a change. We are now backed by Camp Kesem. We are partnered with them. We have our own Slab Stocks page. And I'm going to put the link in the comment section right this moment so that you all know uh, how to get there. You can save that if you want, if you watch Slab Stocks Breaks. Um, this is how we're going to be helping kids out. Kids who have parents who have cancer get to go to camp for free during the summer. And this is how um, students at UW-Madison, I was one myself last year. I graduated, so I can't really do it anymore as an, as an, as an individual. But now I can as a business owner, which is amazing. So I, I want to, we want to give back to Camp Kesem, to the community, and see if we can hit a $10,000 goal by the end of the year. Um, we have big plans to do some really cool things with Camp Kesem. So this is our way to give back. And uh, I'm really excited. So I just dropped the link in the thing. I'm going to put it in all the different uh, descriptions of the videos from here on going. Uh, and Slab Stacks Breaks. Please, if you normally do submit uh, Super Chats through the stream, I really encourage you to submit directly to the page. That guarantees that more money from you all go to Camp Kesem. Uh, YouTube does take a cut of the Super Chats, but we want to make sure all the money was going there, so we were helping cover that um, in the past. Just being upfront with how that worked, all the money was going there. We were donating every single dollar and covering for YouTube. But this is why I really urge you. I just want you to know why I'm urging you so badly to go through here so that we make sure all the dollars that does go to Camp Kesem goes to Camp Kesem. And then I say thank you to YouTube for giving us this platform to tell you all, but I do <laughs> want you all to go to Camp Kesem to donate um, if you all want to. I appreciate it a lot. How, whoever's donated so far over the last two months is amazing. I wish that this said 1,000 here. We won't be able to get that to happen probably, but it's over 1,000 and it's on our breaks videos every time. So very, very excited. Um, I don't have it set up to be notified. That is not what I want. I had a different URL up there. I do not have it set up to be notified on uh, on YouTube Live when it actually does donate. I don't have the programming skills to be able to tie that in, but I will, in the breaks, have a little thing in the bottom of the screen that's going to be like really put right here on the amount raised so I can refresh the page and I'll update it. So I can screen share that and that's how I'm going to do it. But um, I just want to show you all that because I thought it was really cool that we were able to set this up and actually... Uh, they actually posted on Instagram. I was highlighted as the alumni of the month through the UW Madison chapter, which is really cool to see too. Um, I got reached out to once we got this all set up and told them about how you all were he helping Camp Kesem and get kids to camp. Um, and they highlighted Slab Stocks as the alumni of the month, which is so cool. And that's not just me, guys. That's all of you too, because I'm just able to sit here and help do this. You all are the ones that are really helping this happen, which I thank you a lot for. And uh Let's just keep helping our kids and let's keep enjoying cards. That's all I got to say. This was a fantastic YouTube live, by the way. I want to thank you all for sitting here and discussing with us because there were some huge things that went on today between the price increases, the Lucas sale, anything else we talked about. And we value all your guys' eBay, comments as eBay, well. Uh, taking away their 1% eBay bucks. <laughs> yeah, I can't <laughs> believe that. Got lost in the shuffle, but uh, that's big for if you spend a lot of money, you know, 1% back, you get a free $500 card at the end of the month, every month. Yeah. I get that anymore. I just realized why my camera's so uh, fuzzy right now. I turned the autofocus off so we can have better stream quality on Slapsox breaks and forgot to switch it, but that's why I'm fuzzy right now. Uh, Slapsox Pro, hopeful ETA. Hey, man, we're pushing so hard for the end of March. Um, we're really pushing really, really hard for the end of March, and that's where we're, that's where we're pushing, putting on ourselves to make that happen. Um, absolutely free to all of you. Absolutely free. We want to do everything we can to get you guys data in your hands quickly, easily get the information you guys want, track your cards that match slabs in our database. And Nate's been working really hard. Nate, haven't you? It's been, it's been a lot of work, but we are getting there. We are, we are, we are significantly, significantly closer today than we were yesterday. And we will be closer tomorrow than we were today. And then three weeks from now. Yep. yep. All right, guys. Hey, I don't. I I just want to say, I think this might have been our best live stream yet. I will 100% say this is our best live stream yet, and it's not just because of the sheer numbers, though that was fun to see. 
Uh, it's because if you followed along in this comment section over here, there was a lot of conversation going on that wasn't involving us. And I love that because then you get whatever value you get out of Aaron and I, but then you also get value out of each other. Which is yeah, good. I agree for sure. I was trying to switch the camera, but that did not help at all. <laughs> I'm trying to make just, it better. It just became yellow. I know. Yeah, no, I totally agree, guys. Thank you all for coming. Next week at 6 p.m. Eastern time, the exact same time, we will have another live stream with more topics, more discussion. If you guys want to submit a question for next week's live, the description of this video is the link to do it. The Google form, you can submit a question for next week. Also, Slab Stocks breaks us tomorrow. Full day schedule starting at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. We have a few spots left on slabstocks.com slash shop. If you guys do want to uh, support and come and have some fun and uh, see it, hopefully LeBron card get hit. Um, that starts at 4.30 p.m. around, uh, I don't know, 8 or so, 8 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow night. Thank you, everyone, for watching. I really appreciate it. I see you all in there saying thank you, and uh, we thank you too. Nate, thanks yep. for being here. See ya. Yep. See, ya. see you guys.